Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shank Show. Happy Friday and welcome to our broadcast. I'm Bill Shanks in Waycross. Or as we call it, Pollen City. Russ Brown back in Macon. Now you guys have had rain up there in the last day, right? Yes. Yeah, we got a, a few showers yesterday. Nothing today, but it is taking the pollen count down a little bit. Well, I, I'm going to apologize in advance. And, and I said this yesterday that I usually do not get very impacted by the pollen. But again, old Bill is uh, coming out of the woodwork here, and, and it's uh, it's biting me a little bit. So if I take a breath or have to call for a second, just bear with me. I think you can all relate to the issue. It's uh, We laughed earlier this week about the cake of yellow that was flying over middle Georgia. Uh, it, it's sitting on top of Waycross, Georgia. I can tell you that right now. So it's uh, <clears throat> it is a problem, and it's... Uh, not the easiest in the world to get through, but we'll persevere and get her done, as, as they say. we got a lot to talk about, a lot of football to talk about. And we'll have Anthony Dasher the next segment to talk a bit about the Georgia-Georgia Tech basketball series is coming up this week. Uh, baseball, did I say basketball? Baseball series coming up this weekend. I'm glad they're not playing basketball at the Stag. If you have not heard, the Stag is having some issues, which is nothing new. The Stegs had issues probably since it was created. That place should have been replaced years ago. They have put a Band-Aid on it time and time again, and now they are having some issues with the ceiling falling in. They've canceled some events for March, and I believe I just saw a tweet from Mark Weiser of the Athens Banner Herald, who I think is in Indianapolis, but he's still reporting on this as well, that they have even told it might have been the Georgia High School Association or one of the schools somewhere close to Athens that an event in May is not going to be held there. I mean, look, anybody who's hearing this story, and obviously it broke last night with Chip Towers, it's probably laughing to a certain extent because we know that this is not the best arena in the world. And like I said, they have put a Band-Aid over it time and time again they have tried to make it survive instead of building a new arena like some other schools have done Auburn comes to mind of course they built one about what 10 years ago or something like that and so uh, I shouldn't be surprised I mean this thing is 60 years old and it's always been laughed at when I was in school there 33 years ago they laughed at it then uh, of course, they were having the rodeo stuff going on there time and time again. I'll never forget Rick Patino walking out as the Kentucky coach, and at the same time you could smell the manure from the other side of the arena. <clears throat> it's just been a weird building, let's say, uh, that's probably being nice. And now they're going to evaluate what's going on with it, and we'll see. I mean, I you know, I don't know how long the thing can last. It is nice. I mean, it, it is as nice as a, of a building as you can have for something that has never been really nice. I mean, they have tried their best to do what they can <clears throat> to make it okay, but it's uh, now it's having issues, and it sounds pretty serious. So 
we'll see what happens and see how they kind of move forward. But it's um, obviously something that it's not going to be as much of a problem for the men because they're pretty much through tomorrow. Women it could be a little bit of an issue with, but they'll have to find another alternative if, in fact, that's going to be a, a problem for them. The big story is that Stetson Bennett has spoken to the media in Indianapolis as he is there for the Combine. Of course, he had to address his arrest that happened on January the 29th in Dallas when he was visiting a friend out there. And, of course, he was training right down the street in Fort Worth. And NFL teams have asked about the incident, of course. We knew that this would be the location where he could not avoid that issue and that topic. He said it was a mistake that everybody is aware of. I understand why that can happen. I've talked to coaches about it, talked to GMs. My family, that's what I felt worse about. I felt like I let them down. No matter where I go now, even without all of this, you know, I have an obligation. I'm the fourth. Talking about Stetson Bennett, the fourth. Can't do that if your last name is Bennett. And so the, uh, obviously the tragedy was going to, um, to come up, and he didn't really want to talk about it, which I get it. I mean, what can they say? And then he was asked, however, if there was a problem with the program's culture, considering the reckless driving issues and, of course, the tragedy. And he said, no, those were individual mistakes. Those individuals are responsible for it's not a culture issue. And uh, that's about it. So Stetson faced the music. He said what he needed to say, which was an apology. He, he, he made that apology today and was was very clear in that he made a mistake. The, the report came out a few days ago about uh, him kind of trying to avoid the police, which that's going to happen. But um, anyway, we'll see what happens with him and if that impacts him. And I think, Russ, everybody's going to be watching him closely. Now we can kind of compare him to these other guys like the top four and see what is said on the air. And I believe the quarterbacks are tomorrow but we can kind of uh, see him side-by-side side with the others to see how he performs on the field. Yeah, and they're going to throw. I think everybody except Bryce Young, uh, Richardson, and mm-hmm. Levis, I know are going to throw. Um, so, yeah, he'll he'll get his chance on the field to, to show what he can do. And I, I think for him the hard part's over, right, having to, to answer for yeah. his actions in Dallas and you know whether or not teams liked his answer will – Probably never know that, but yeah, he, all he can do now is go out and perform and, and try to see if he can help himself out and get drafted. People were asking him about his behavior at the parade when there was some criticism that he had his face down and was not waving at fans or communicating with fans. He was instead watching his phone. He said, people took it as, I don't know, but they didn't like it, and I'm sorry about that. I just wanted to play the best tunes at the moment. So, okay, that's that's what he said, whatever. And obviously um, NFL teams are not going to worry too much about that. They just want to see if he can throw and what kind of quarterback prospect he's going to be moving forward, which we all are. We all are curious about that. And uh, can't, I can't wait. I can't wait to see how he performs and how he's able to go out there and, and show what he can do. All right, Russ, I'm getting a little concerned about the Atlanta Falcons. I think there is a mistrust, an underlying mistrust that is there 
with most of the fan base, and I think you and I both have that from the scars of being a fan of this organization for many, many years, that is perhaps just a simple case of skepticism in general that goes along with being a fan of this team. I don't know if it's very specific in nature. I just think that when there is something going on, you kind of wonder if the Falcons are going to be involved for the good or the bad of the team. Last year, after or before Matt Ryan was let go, obviously the Deshaun Watson stuff came up where he was getting ready to be traded out of Houston with all the accusations and all the things going on with him legally and civilly, and the Falcons are involved, which shocked everyone. Then they drafted Desmond Ritter in the third round of the draft. They let him play the four games at the end of the season, and we have hoped that at the minimum he would be given one year to show what he can do as quarterback. I'll be honest with you, with something I heard from a source earlier this week, with the in Rappaport going on NFL Network earlier today and mentioning the Falcons in conjunction with the number one pick and the fact that the Bears are likely to trade the pick, and he mentioned Atlanta at number seven as a team that could be involved in that bidding, which is going to be a bidding war with the Bears putting it up for for auction. And then the comments from some of the prospects today. C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis all talked about meeting formally with the Falcons. C.J. Stroud said that it, he, he had a good meeting and he loved Michael Vick growing up. He was a big fan of Michael Vick. Will Levis said that was his first interview was with the Falcons. And then Richardson said that uh, he had a real good meeting with the coach, general manager, and the staff. The O.C. was involved and the Falcons asked him if he were going to be faster than Kyle Pitts when he ran the 40-yard uh, dash. I, I uh, Russ, I, I, I think they're in the market for a quarterback. And, and of course, I'm bearing the lead here. The Lamar Jackson stuff won't quiet down. No. No, it won't. I, you know, I was wondering the same thing. And, and our, I, I'll uh, give a little credit here to our buddy Ken from Cumming. He's, he's been telling me since – probably January, the, the Falcons are going to draft Anthony Richardson. I mean, he's just absolutely convinced of it for whatever <laughs> reason. Um, and, you know, and, and kind of to the mistrust thing, and, and I'm speaking as a fan here, you know, yesterday, I, I had that same moment yesterday. I haven't heard anything, uh, but I was watching the combine coverage and they were talking about Bijan Robinson. I'm like, oh, my God, Arthur Smith is going to say that's my Derrick Henry. Like, I just hadn't, for whatever reason, I, <laughs> I just had myself convinced of that. But, you know, all of this stuff, I, I think – it, it it sounds like that you know whether it's trading up for the number one pick or drafting one of these quarterbacks or trading for Lamar Jackson. It just feels like as far as you know building this team up, it, it feels like they're about to skip a step. And I just don't know if that's a smart move. You know, Brent Rollins has mentioned a couple of times, Russ, the possibility of simply accumulating talent at the quarterback position. And I'll add this in: praying to God one of them sticks praying to God that one of them is the real deal. And obviously, if the Falcons have a man crush on one of these quarterbacks, one of these four quarterbacks in particular, then that's a possibility. There's no doubt about it based on or dependent on how strong their interest in is in a particular quarterback. There has been talk that it's C.J. Stroud. Okay, is C.J. Stroud the number one player in this draft? Do you have to move up to one to get him? Of course, the problem is, if you will, 
that there are other teams that are going to be knocking on the door possibly for another quarterback. We know the Indianapolis is going to. We know that Houston, obviously, at number three, has a good chance of getting a quarterback. You have Indianapolis up there at the top. You have um, the Seahawks at five if Geno Smith leaves. The Panthers are at number six. So if they do want one of those guys, there's no way they're going to be on the board at seven. I've, I've come to that conclusion. I think Brent's right, Russ. I think that it's very unlikely, at least with what we're hearing now, which, of course, things could change after tomorrow. But we know how these NFL teams get horny for quarterbacks, right? I mean, we've seen it. We saw two years ago with with the Wilson kid and with Trey Lance. I mean, my God, you would have thought, go ahead and get the bus ready for Canton. It was out of control with how these teams were going crazy over those quarterbacks. And we haven't even had the combine day for quarterbacks yet, and and the talk is kind of out of control. Now, is that just the regular chatter, or is it more, even more loud this time because the fact that the number one pick is owned by a team that looks like they're going to trade it, and therefore their market's going to be out of control? I, I, I don't know, but... You know, I'm, I'm sitting there about an hour ago, Russ, and I was watching ESPN, and, and uh, I don't know what the show's called. They had a – it was uh, um, Max Kellerman, who I like, and then um, the former uh, – what's the GM's name? Kind of the chubby guy. Not oh, uh, He's on NFL Network. Mike Tenenbaum? Mike Tenenbaum. Thank you. Thank you. He's on a lot with Greeny in the morning. And then a female reporter who I don't think she really knew what she was talking about, to be honest with you. But anyway, and part of what they were talking about, Russ, was the discussion of Daniel Jones. And you'll see where I'm going with this for a moment. Daniel Jones and whether or not he's going to get a deal with the Giants. And that I think Tuesday's one of the deadlines to try to get a deal done. They're talking about Daniel Jones wanting $40 million. And then they were debating whether Dak Prescott, who did not have as good a year last year as Daniel Jones, is going to deserve the same kind of contract. And it made me think, after hearing that conversation, about several things, Russ. Number one, if you're going to have that much money tied up in a quarterback, there has got to be 100% certainty he's your guy. I don't think there was ever any doubt that Matt Ryan, even with some of the detractors that he had from time to time, was the Atlanta Falcons guy. No question in my mind, that's why they paid him a lot of money, and he was paid handsomely to be the Falcons guy. We are in a situation with the Falcons right now where we don't know who that's going to be. So, consequently, do you need to have another option in the fold who will be cheap, no, no, look, and, and, and let me just stop right there. I know Lamar Jackson is an outstanding talent. He's a great talent. Is, is he tempting? Absolutely, no question. But I'm telling you, to me, the money that would have to be guaranteed to him that would eat up the salary cap, along with the draft capital that would have to be given up to get him in a trade, is too high of a price. I just and you 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 use the term Russ kind of skipping a step and how that would be skipping a step because of the fact that the picks you give up would not go to the needs that you need to fill for this team right now. You know, so to me he's out. I just I don't want 
I don't want Lamar for that reason. I just don't want to give up that much money and and uh, people and, and draft picks. So then you look at these kids, these four quarterbacks, and I, I just I wish one of them blew me away to where I was like, I don't care how good Desmond Ritter is. I want C.J. Stroud. I like C.J. Stroud. Saw him in Atlanta on New Year's Eve. He was very impressive, and I think he's got a chance to be really good. I'm not going to go crazy over him not knowing if Desmond Ritter can play or not because I want to see Desmond Ritter. And, Russ, you said several times, okay, look, let's go down the Desmond Ritter road, and then if you need to start over or look for another one, do it next year. There's always going to be quarterback candidates out there. So my preference still is to go with Ritter. I I get the temptation if they get a real big man crush on one of these guys, but, man, there's just so many needs. And, again, Russ, the the depth chart that I created night before last, when you look at that thing, it's depressing. I pray to God before the draft and after free agency we can feel a little bit better about that, but right now I don't. Yeah, well, the, the, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, right now it's definitely a work in progress at the very least. Um, I, you know, I, I'm with you. I, I'm not ready to move on from Desmond Ritter yet. Um, you know, in, in either scenario, if you trade for Lamar Jackson, that's your guy. Uh, is Are the Atlanta Falcons plus Lamar Jackson a Super Bowl contender? I cannot say yes. Um, and, and that's the that's a that's a it's kind of like you know about a decade ago when they gave up four picks. When you make moves like that, it's to win a Super Bowl. It's a Super Bowl or bust move, and I don't think they're at that point yet. And then the other thing is whether you know they can say it's not, but the reality of it is, if you draft a quarterback in the first round in the top ten, you've moved on from whoever the quarterback on your roster is. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in 2023, that's how it works. I mean, if it was 1993, okay, yeah, you draft him and he's not going to see the field for three or four years. But that's that's not the NFL anymore. Now, and look, and if like you said, if they have a man crush on one of these quarterbacks and they can get him, then, yeah, they're going to move on from Desmond Ritter because th- that's the whole nature of the beast in the NFL from a front office standpoint is to – when you take over a situation like the one in Atlanta is the first thing you have to do is find a quarterback. And it, once you do that, if you hit a home run, like, for example, you know, I think of, of the quarterbacks in the league today, when I see Anthony Richardson, I, you know, the, the teams that are falling in love with him, they see Josh Allen. And so mm-hmm. if the Falcons say, hey, this big, strong quarterback, he can sling it, he can run like the wind. If I get this right, I'm set for the next decade. So that, that's how that ends up happening. But I, it's just if they do this, you can't be wrong or that's – that that you're done. Like head coaching, Arthur Smith's no longer the head coach. Terry Fontenot is no longer the GM. Do you think that if they were to get a quarterback, and I'm I'm not going to say if they move up to one. I think we know the answer to this question. If they moved up to one, but let's say they moved up to four and got whoever's left, would they try to say that they're going to bring in someone? Let's just say it's Will Levis, just for the heck of it. Would they try to say they're going to bring Will Levis in to compete with Desmond Ritter when we all know if you got a top five draft pick, we know what the plan is? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, I know the last regime would have. And, and I think I would say, I'm going to say yes. It, and the reason I'm going to say yes is because they never wanted to use the word rebuild during the rebuild. So, <laughs> yeah, they, that's probably exactly what they would say. And, and, and you know what? The reality of it is it's going to start out as a true competition. But – 
if you draft a quarterback fifth overall, fans are going to want to see that quarterback. Do you remember yeah. Mike Mike Vick's rookie year? And every every time they trot Chris Chandler out there, we're like, "Come on, you suck! Just play Mike Vick." I mean, that's that's exactly. what it's going to turn into. Exactly. You're right. You're right. I I just I don't trust this team. I don't trust this owner. I don't know who's in charge. I, I listened to the Terry Fontenot quotes this week. Russ and I don't know that he's in charge. I don't know that he's the guy. I, I don't I hear different things about who likes whom, who likes Ritter, who doesn't. Maybe it's bad that there's not a consensus. Maybe that's a red flag that there's not a consensus. But again, you put yourself in position by not playing this kid more than four games. You allowed this to be in that gray area where all you had to do was midseason fall back from Marcus Mariota, and you didn't. You kept down that damn road for an extra three or four weeks, which was unnecessary. I think that was a huge mistake for this team because, look, even if they get another quarterback and that quarterback is the answer and Desmond Ritter goes on and doesn't do anything, well, people look at it and say, well, you know what, I guess the Falcons made the right decision. Well, what what would have happened if we'd have seen more of, of Desmond Ritter? He did nothing, I don't think, in those four games to make you think he's going to be an awful quarterback in the NFL, especially if he has better talent around him moving forward, which is needed. But I, I just uh, – I don't trust this team. <laughs> I don't I, – I hate to say that, but I, I just think they're going to get another quarterback. And I wish I could say it's going to be Stetson in the sixth round, which I'm not even – totally behind and it's no knock on Stetson whatsoever I love Stetson I just think it would be too much of a distraction for Desmond Ritter I want for Ritter to have the shot and you know you you've spent a third round pick on him he's got a skill set that you would hope this coaching staff especially an offensive head coach and Dave Ragone the offensive coordinator would be able to help him develop and if you get a quarterback who's going to truly come in and compete with him. Some people would say, well, that's good. Let Desmond compete. And they pretty much said earlier this week, we don't, we're don't. we not going to anoint anybody. All right, if you're not going to anoint anybody, then that tells me a little bit more about the situation perhaps. But I do want to anoint him as the quarterback. I do want to give him the shot and then see if he can do it. And if not, move on. So um, we'll see. <laughs> I, I much rather have an offensive lineman at eight or the cornerback from Oregon at eight, uh, the one that that um, um, Josh Kendall wants so much, Christian Gonzalez, is that his name? Yes, yeah. I believe. Yep. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd much rather, you know, have some other player that fills another need because of the number of needs they have. But I don't know if this team's capable of doing that yet. I think they still believe that it's uh, – it's a position they need to fix, and maybe it is. Maybe maybe I'm totally wrong, and they need to continue to get get uh, another option to try to be the man. We said that when Matt Ryan left, it was going to be a process to replace him, and maybe in their mind that process includes getting another candidate. We'll see. Up next, Anthony Dasher, UGASports.com. We'll talk to him about the combine and also – the big baseball series starting today between Georgia and Georgia Tech. With Russ Brown, I'm Bill Shanks. You're listening to The Bill Shanks Show. 
Thanks for being with us here on this Friday. We appreciate it. Time to talk a little Georgia athletics. A lot going on in Athens. Let's check in with Anthony Dasher, UGASports.com. Dasher, are you in Athens or are you in Indianapolis? No, I'm I'm in Athens, uh, Roddy okay. and, uh, and Jetter in India. I've just been helping them with some uh, uh, dictation, a lot going on up there, obviously, so I'm just kind of helping out with them a little bit. No, no, no question. I thought you were in, in Athens, and we'll get to the yep, baseball yep. series here in, in a moment. Let, let's talk about uh, what's going on this weekend, also what's going on in Indianapolis. First, your thoughts on what we learned early, earlier this week about the tragedy. Uh, we had heard, I mean, this guy goes back a few weeks now, that, you know, that there was, Jalen was somehow involved as far as, you know, allegedly, you know, racing, whatever you want to call it uh and that's uh you know what the police wound up uh stating in their um announcement you know earlier this week uh you know it's just uh it's a just a shame i mean again he you know Jalen, you know is, is, is you know went on twitter and you know said he's going to be completely exonerated of everything and and so it's going to be a i guess a while yet before we know the complete story but but again like you said this has been such a tragedy in all ways shape and form and you know unfortunately it's uh something i don't know they're gonna have a, a complete answers for to a few, few more weeks if not much yet dash about a month ago i was in athens and and rode by the location mm-hmm. and when i did i i said there's no way this is simply a a, a freak accident with one car that was going yeah. to speed limit i mean you knew something had happened and you, you knew whenever we heard it couldn't be good hey, exactly you know you know, for you know, like I'm, I'm sure everybody you know has, has read all the stories, and everything that you know that, that uh, you know uh, the, the blood alcohol content on Miss Lacroix was a uh, you know almost three times uh, the limit. And uh, but yeah, I mean I, that's a that's a road I I drive you know pretty much every every day that that stretch of road. And and if you're coming around there fast, I mean there's no way you can you can make that curve. There's just absolutely no no way you know way shape or form you know, about it. So it's just, you know, again, we'll, we'll see what ultimately uh, happens as far as, uh, you know, these charges with Jalen and how much, if any, that, you know, that played a role. But, again, just a, just a tragedy because, again, like I said, you I ride that stretch all, you know, all the time. And, and once they, when the accident first occurred, I'm going to say she must have been, been flying because there's no way, you know, you can keep a vehicle like that, you know, in line, you know, going on the passes, you know, I thought they were going, which turns out to be the case. Dash, we know none of the players are going to talk about this. I mean, Nolan Smith sure. said probably more than we're ever going to hear from any of them. But yeah. when these players get to spring practice, the current Georgia Bulldogs get mm-hmm. spring practice, uh, we know they'll be limited in what they will say, can say, and I'm sure be instructed yeah. to not say anything at all. Sure. But how sure. do you think behind closed doors they're going to deal with all of it? Not only the death of their teammate, obviously, which is at the forefront, but now yeah. they have the other part of it, too. Yeah, that's going to be the toughest thing. And like you said, I, and I agree. I, I'm sure Georgia will instruct everyone to to offer no comment. I mean, Kirby Smart is 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 always already does a pretty good job of uh, <laughs> of uh, like for injuries, for example. And when things come out, he's the only only voice, and I'm sure he'll continue to be the only voice with this. So I, I, I doubt we hear anything at all from any of the current players, you know, about this uh, tragedy. But that that but that's the thing, though, too. I mean, this is something going on be reminded of every single day that whenever every day they're out at practice, you know, they're not going to see number 77, you know, lining up, you know, with the offensive line, uh, 
and it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. But you know, at the same time, I mean, we, we've heard you know you know some players you know talk about it. They're going you know use it as a motivation. They're going like like Nolan said, do it for Dev, and I'm sure that's something we'll you know something we'll hear a lot of you know here in the uh, you know weeks to come. All right, Dash, uh, let's uh, move on to some other topics now and talk about what's going on in Indianapolis with the Combine. Stetson talked today, apologized yep. for the incident. I can't wait to see what he does tomorrow, though. Are you excited about watching him tomorrow? Oh, yeah. kind of side-by-side, those other guys? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what his, what his 40 time is. And he kind of kind of brushed that off today, kind of joking about it, saying you know, he has no idea, but I, I almost can promise he's going to be in that 4-5 or five range. Uh, you know, we saw that run he had against Auburn earlier this year. He was, yeah. he was really, really hauling in on that. But, but yeah, I think Stetson. I mean, again, Stetson. I mean, his whole, you know, mantra has been been proving people wrong, and I'm sure there's some, a lot of folks at the combine uh, who, uh, you know, probably still have some doubts about him. So I'm, I'm no doubt he'll go out there and try to, you know, do the best he can and uh, and keep keep proving you know folks wrong like he has so far in his career. I don't think most of us are surprised at what Nolan Smith did yesterday. Are no, you? Not, not, not in the least. I mean, Nolan. <laughs> I don't think he got enough credit for being athletic as he was when he was at Georgia. To be quite honest yeah. with you, I mean, it, you know, people, you know, people, people care about his stats, and Nolan didn't have the best stats. But in Georgia's defense, you're not going to have anybody. It was, it was, a, it was a team thing on, on the D, and you're not going to have a, a guy, you know, wind up with ten, you know, double digit sacks or anything of that that nature. So I think from that standpoint, maybe people may have been. You know, surprised by the numbers that, that Nolan posted yesterday. Although, again, I'm I'm certainly not one of them. All right. So, who else are you excited to see this weekend at the combine? Well, I'm looking forward. I know Darnell Washington actually might be running the 40 as we speak right now. So, I'm looking okay. forward to see kind of how 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 well he he does. Yeah. But you know, just really all those guys. The 40 yard dash to me is always the most uh, interesting. Uh, you know, test that the that the you know the players do while they're in the Indy. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing how those those guys all perform. Absolutely, no no doubt about it. Should be a lot of fun. All right, before we get to baseball, uh, speaking about not being surprised at anything, I think I said in the last segment, uh, Dash, that when everybody probably heard about this story about the steg, they probably laughed and said, "Well, heck, it's wonder it didn't happen before." Uh, do you know anything else about what's going on with that? Well, we reported last night, and it turns out that uh, what's been described as a small piece of the ceiling has fallen. Uh, nobody was hurt, anything of that nature, but it does kind of lead to some questions now, uh, you know, about the uh, about the about the structure of safety and all that of the, the building. I mean, like I said, it's sixty years old. Was built in nineteen sixty three. They first started having events in nineteen sixty four. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, curious to see what happens with that i mean you know the segment office has a lot of its you know detractors people in Warren, georgia to build a new basketball facility for years and I, I do think they've done a great job over the over the past few you know, seasons really doing some really nice upgrades and, and from from that standpoint i don't think there's anything wrong with this with the stag but if it's you know some structural damage and that's going to be another story i mean josh brooks has not come out and made any comments on this yet and i tried to get a hold of him yesterday not getting to uh, return my calls we finally heard some you know official word from uh, the from the university about eleven o'clock last night when they actually finally confirmed it something had fallen from the ceiling but that's going to be something to watch here on the uh, over the next uh, you know few few weeks because uh, if there is structural damage I mean that's that that's that's, that's a major deal and uh, and if, if it's going to be one of those deals where it'll be almost as, it's, it's I say cheap because uh, it awfully would not be cheap it's be a major major undertaking 
by the university yeah. to build another facility. It's going to be uh, curious to see what happens if it, if it is a damage, if it is that extensive, what they would ultimately do. Well, I'm with you. I, I think they've done as good a job as they can can do, but they can't feel like there's long-term viability in having that thing another 15, 20 years. I mean, that would be 75, 80 years they would yeah. have this thing. And, and look, obviously, they've kicked the can down the road with these renovations, but what have you heard through the years about what possibly could happen? Would they try to rebuild it on the same site or somewhere else on campus? Where? What have you heard just through the years in the talk? They, they would almost have to build on the same site. I mean, there's nowhere in downtown Athens, Georgia, where you can build a, a facility <laughs> of that size. I don't care what people – it's like thing with a baseball stadium. They say, well, build, build another baseball stadium, put it – Downtown Athens, I'm like, where? There's nowhere to, to do that. So, yeah, if it comes to it, I think you'll see Stegman Rays, Georgia would play. And I'm just, this is me talking here. Play two seasons like in in, uh, in Lawrenceville, Gwinnett. Uh, what, what's that building's name? I can't even change it every year, it seems like. Yeah. You know what, what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. Sure. So, uh, uh, but play a couple of years there while they have a building new facility. But, yeah, if, they, if it ever does come to it, I fully expect to be in the same exact spot as in right now. Yeah, I would think so, too. Anthony Dash, our guest. All right, Dash, uh, we're getting ready for the weekend. Georgia, Georgia Tech with game one in Athens, game two tomorrow in Atlanta, then game three at Gwinnett. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tech's playing really well. They're undefeated, but they're giving up a whole lot of runs here. Uh, Could be a fun weekend. What are your thoughts on what we're going to see this weekend between these two teams? Well, well, first of all, I hope the rain holds off because right now it's kind of sketchy right now. Oh, Lord. (laughs) But – but if they do play, I think it's going to be a great series. I mean, Georgia did not, did not win a game in this series last year. I know it's something that Coach Rickman has talked about a lot about really needing to get back on you know, the winning track. And, you know, Tech is, I think, what, 9-0. They have had some pitching issues this year. And uh, and they've got some injuries going on right now, I understand. I know their Saturday starter is not going to be able to go this weekend. I'm not, yeah. And I think their TBA right now, as a matter of fact. But for Georgia, again, this is – Offensively, I think from one to nine, this is a good lineup. They've you know have, have had maybe since Coach Trickman has been. It's all a matter of pitching. I mean, Jaden Woods had a very nice bounce back, you know, last week after you know giving up five walks, five runs, you know, in the opening weekend against Jacksonville State. But uh, he finally got his uh, his slider, his changeup was was on point, and uh, you mix that with a ninety six mile per hour fastball, you're going to have some success, and that's what he was able to do. And then Liam McSullivan, of course, comes back the next night and. Uh, you know, throw seven innings of, of no hit ball. So mm-hmm. uh, those are the two guys they're gonna have to depend on throughout the year to to really kind of hold it down as far as the starting pitching is concerned. While some of these young guys, I mean, some of these you know, transfer they've got, kind of kind of figure out, uh, you know, get some confidence going as far as the bullpen goes. Because uh, offensively, this team I think is gonna be very very good. It's just gonna be a matter of pitching. Well, and I'm sure that's the the same. Uh, outcry for a lot of teams early on here because dash it just seems like there is a ton of runs being scored in college baseball right now oh there really is i mean and, and but same time you look at so, the size of some of these guys that georgia has right now parks harvard like six foot three 220 pounds Corey collins <laughs> goes about six three about 220 and then you got you know charlie Condon, who uh, he's just a redshirt freshman he's already hitting some of the hardest balls and i've ever seen hit <laughs> for a georgia baseball player you didn't Exit velos of 111, 114 miles per hour. This guy is six foot six, 225 pounds. He's already hit uh, hit one moonshot uh, the other day. And I think a lot more to come. But again, it's a very good hitting team. If they can get any semblance of pitching this year, they'll be able to outscore most of the opponents they play this year. But they've got to get that pitching. Well, that's why uh, Sullivan and, and Woods are important. There's no question yeah. about that. Should be fun this weekend with those three games. You can 
Follow Dash on Twitter at AnthonyDasher1. And, of course, read UGASports.com. Dash, have a great weekend. Thank you yep. so much. We will talk to you again next Friday. We'll see you. Okay, Anthony Dasher, our guest. We'll take a break, come back. We'll talk Braves. We'll talk Hawks. New coach at Georgia Tech. More football, basketball, and baseball right after this. Sixteen minutes before the top of the hour. Thanks very much for being with us. All right, as you know, we're monitoring the combine. And I can tell you that Kali Ringo just ran a 40-yard dash of 4.32. Wow. Well, Russ, we were wondering if this performance this weekend would help or hurt him since he has been all over the board with some questions that people have had about Kali Ringo. That will get their attention right there. Yeah, that that's what he needed to do was we, we knew the straight line speed was good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you, you, you definitely want to run in the low 4-4. So the fact that he got it down to 4-3, that's, that's a really good sign for him. Unbelievable. Really, really good. And so it's going to be fun to continue to watch these times uh, in, in Indianapolis for the Bulldogs. All right, a couple more things now. Speaking of Georgia and the secondary, Word today that Jalen Hayward, the number three safety in the country, is going to visit Auburn in mid-March. He has committed to Georgia. We've kind of wondered if the safeties that were committed to Georgia could be uh, looking around only because Georgia's already got two of the top three safeties in the fold committed, and the other one is from the Atlanta area, and he also is a Georgia lean, and therefore... You kind of wondered about that. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But that's something to keep an eye on for sure that Jalen Hayward is going to visit Auburn. All right. Georgia Tech has hired Ricky Brumfield as the new special teams coordinator. He was at Florida International for last season. He's also been at Virginia. He was at UT San Antonio, Western Kentucky, Nichols State. And he's got a really good reputation, and I think that's it for the staff of Brent Key. So they are very happy about that addition to their to their coaching staff, and we'll see what uh, what happens, of course, with Brent Key now in control moving forward. Hawks play tonight against Portland. By the way, you've got to keep an eye on Portland because they have a former Hawk on their roster, Cam Reddish plays for the Blazers. So you got to be careful about him and see what he wants to do against his former team. And I still can't believe they traded him away. But nonetheless, Atlanta coming off a tough three-point loss to Washington. This will be game two for Quinn Snyder. And we'll see how the Hawks do. And if they can get back over the 500 mark, they are 31-31 and on the season. And so we'll see. Now, Tony Ressler spoke today with Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN.com, and he had some interesting comments. He did not mention his son, which was, uh, I thought, something that was kind of left out of that article. I guess I'm blaming Woj for that. But he did say, Tony Rester did say, we have a relatively young team that I think is very talented. 
that I do not think long-term is a mediocre team. Right now we're at 500, and I think we should be better than that. I hope, we'll be, we'll be, I hope we will be better than that, and I can tell you this. Landry Fields and Kyle Korver, who is the assistant GM, are running a much better, much more collaborative front office. That's a huge importance to me because I think that's how you get better. Having ownership, front office, the coaching staff, the right roster, when all those folks work well together, I think results improve. That was the objective, and that's why I made the change that I did. Now, we can interpret that and say that obviously Travis Schlink was in control and was wanting to make the decisions. Well, Russ, I mean, I think that may have been what Travis Schlink believed he had been hired for. And everything seemed okay, and all of a sudden, of course, this is not mentioned in this article by Woj, Tony Ressler's son Nick became more involved. So was the collaboration not going on between Travis Link and Nick Ressler because Travis Link thought, why the hell do I have to talk to this guy who has no NBA experience? That's a that's a great question. I, that is, and I, I hope not. I hope this wasn't. You need to pay more attention to my kid, or or else. Um, and I also wonder too, was it, did, you know, did Travis Link have Tony Wrestler convinced of his plan, and there were other people in the room like you and me saying, "What? No, don't trade Luca," and he did it anyway. So I, I, who knows? But. Uh, under your scenario, like if it's, you know, dad stepping in, like you're going to pay more attention to my son. Like you, that's what you don't want that going on. I mean, that doesn't work at the rec league. You definitely don't want that going on in the NBA. Yeah. Well, regardless of Schlink, who's gone, uh, he does say, Russ, that they are working well together now and they'll make better decisions moving forward than what we've done in the past. That was his quote. So you have to hope he's right and – they can they can move forward. One day, will we find out about that trade? Do you think the real story of what happened? I think so. I, I think so. I think it'll be from the Dallas perspective in a 30 for 30 after Luka goes into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> but, yeah, I think we'll get that story one day. Because the Hawks can't say anything about it because they have Trey Young. They don't want to act like Trey Young is not as important or as good as – Luka Doncic, we all know that Luka Doncic is better, period, bottom line, no debate. And, you know, I'd love to know the story, though, of why. I thought we knew the answer, Russ, with Cam Reddish. But when that fell apart, my support for it fell apart Mm -hmm. more. You know, I mean, because you and I tried, even in that first year where we knew damn well that Luka was the better prospect, Say, okay, let's see who they get. Then when they got Cam Reddish, hell, I was jumping up and down at Phillips Arena like like nuts because I'm like, okay, that can do it. Then he showed glimpses of it. And then when he got traded, it's like, oh, no. Yeah. Well, and, and, and Travis Schlank told us on this very program because we had him on the day after mm-hmm. that that trade was uh, – look, that they were excited about Trey Young and felt like that was somebody they could build – a championship team around, and it was as much about the pick that came with it as it was about Trey. And when the pick that came with it got traded to New York, it kind of did fall apart right there. It did. I mean, that was the for me that was the difference. Yeah. Because, and I I'm trying to think if um, did they get that pick from the Cam Reddish deal? I don't know if they. Let me see if I can find that real quick. Did they get? It was a potential first round pick, right? But I'm not sure. 
Let's see if I can find that real quick. The Knicks sent forward Kevin Knox and a 2022 first-round pick via the Hornets to the Hawks. So that was last year? Was it last last year's draft? Hmm. Okay, we'll have to look into that. I'm not sure about that. But I, because I thought the Hawks had their own. Well, I guess their own draft pick would have gone to San Antonio. So was A.J. Griffin basically that pick for Cam Reddish? Could that have been it? Yeah. Well, if, I mean, if that's the case, maybe it does. It works out in the long run after all, but we'll have to see. Well, I mean, if that's the case, then I like A.J. Griffin, you know, and mm-hmm. he's a, a decent replacement, if you will, in a roundabout way for Cam Reddish. But Reddish is still a, a very good young talent. I'm, I'm anxious to watch him tonight for Portland because I'm glad he got out of New York because I don't think they really liked him very, very much at all either. All right. Um, Braves lost today. <laughs> this is not good. They were up eight to nothing and lost eleven to eight. <laughs> Houston scored four runs in the sixth, six runs in the seventh, one run in the eighth, and won it eleven to eight. Now, the good news about this game is that before they started bringing in guys who were probably not even going to be on the Double A roster to pitch, because this was a road trip to West Palm Beach. Remember. So the Braves did not have their major leaguers in. Bryce Elder did pitch the first three innings, and he had a much better performance in this game than he had in his first outing of the spring. Bryce Elder, who was fighting for that fifth starter's position with Ian Anderson, had three shutout innings, one hit, no walks, three strikeouts. So that's the best news of the day. Also, Marcelo Zuna, three for four. One run scored, and you may have seen the headline that Brian Sinker said, Marcel will be on our team. So there you go. And that averaged up to now 308 on the spring after his three for four day. They had uh, Forrest Wall had a one for four day with another stolen base. He's got three so far. You had Adrianza three for three with three RBI. Sam Hilliard played today, which was good. Shoemake was one for three today at Trevoria. I mean, this is really a minor league game because the Braves were on the road. None of the pitchers who gave up all the runs are going to be even on the triple A roster, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But the Braves will be back in action tomorrow at Baltimore at 105. You are listening to The Bill Shanks Show.